You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It's that time once again. We got more calls. We got more partying to do. I wish I was still feeling exactly what I was feeling yesterday, but uh, we'll have to wait until the conclusion of the Lions game. By the way, I couldn't wait. Um, I had to run the numbers. I have the score. Amazingly. Down to the tenth of a point, and I didn't even run it out to the hundredth. Down to the tenth of a point, not the point, tenth of a point. I have the exact Packer score. Something point something. Um, so I'm excited to talk about that tomorrow. Way too much stuff to cover tomorrow. I have to do a lot of laughing at the enemy, and I have I have categories because I was trying to break it down. Like, well, this is kind of how do I want to do it? So I've got laughing at the enemy pregame. So all their stupid, idiotic predictions. Laughing at the enemy post-game. Then I've got Packers narrative, positive and negative. That's what I got so far. I could break it down even more than that, but I just kept it in those four quick categories. By the way, I officially have right now, remember that whole checking in on the Bears thing? I've been stashing those to the side. I'm just going to have to throw those in randomly throughout the week. I'm up to 18 now. I've got 18 clips. So uh, I have to not forget to do that anymore because (laughs) that's fun. So yeah, uh, we'll go over the score. We'll do some laughing at the enemy type stuff, ranting, raving, PFF, all that good stuff. So please make sure to tune in tomorrow. If you'd like to call in to this particular program, Packernet After Dark, it's a call-in show. If you're new here, call in, you give me your thoughts on literally anything in the world, and I will comment on it. The phone number to call in, 608-501-0718. New callers always go first. We don't have any new callers today, so let's start off with the man, the myth, the legend, Chris from Alabama, man. Hey, Ryan. Chris from Alabama. What's going I on? I promise this is my last call. Oh, no, this no. This is my no. last call. Don't do I that promise. to me. Don't do that. But Ryan, how do you feel about our chances <sighs> going to the playoffs? Do you feel like we're going to make the playoffs? Not about making the run. All right. All right. Do you feel yeah, don't, don't do that to like me. we're going to make the playoffs? I'm not ready for that question. Brian, I feel like we're going to make the playoffs, man. We're going to make the playoffs. We are going to beat the Lions this week, and we are going to make the playoffs. After all this debacle of a season, we are going to make the playoffs. Amazing. I really, really feel like we are. How do you feel? Go pack coach. Is it just me? Because I, I know I say it all the time on this podcast where I get the chills. Am I the only one, or are you guys sitting there getting the chills thinking about some of this stuff? A couple things. Number one, let's assume we do get into the playoffs. How much better or worse do you think our chances are? Because I know... There's a big part of me that's like, yeah, but we didn't win in the past, and this is probably the worst version of this team. On the other hand, potentially. So first of all, hands down, the biggest weakness we had last year, we, we were the worst special teams in football. We might be the best special teams in football right now. I'm not even kidding. That is an unbelievable strength we have at this point. It's not perfect. We don't really have a punt returner, although I, I don't know why they keep taking Keyshawn Nixon off of there. He needs to just stay there. I know it's tough. Kick kick return, punt return, and he's playing defense. He's going full Iron Man out there. But um, so so that is that is the that has been a weakness for this Packers team since forever. That is now one of our biggest strengths. On top of that, this might be 
And it's tough because last year, even if this defense right now is better than it, the last year's was as a whole, which sounds so stupid to say because this defense has been trash basically up until the last couple of weeks. So it's, it's hard to buy in entirely, but let's just say hypothetically that this is legit. This might be the best version of this of, of a defense that we've seen in the Matt LaFleur era. However, the, the concern would be that playoff game that we lost last year, that defense was on point, and it was the offense that was the problem. But here's the other thing. Even looking at the offense, there's no doubt in my mind this is the worst-looking uh, offense, kind of, kind of. Depends what you mean. As far as passing offense, it's not even close. It's terrible. But we didn't have a passing offense in those other games, and that shut down our whole team because that was our entire team, aside from our defense showing up occasionally. Sometimes they did, sometimes they got blown out, and that's how we got knocked out of the playoffs. But it used to be that because we don't have special teams and because our defense is iffy and because we can't really rely on anything but Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, if we don't have that, we don't have anything. This is a team that is now reliant on the run game and can build off the run game. This is a team that has a a better speed threat than we've ever had. I know MVS was a thing, but he wasn't really a thing. I know the touchdowns all dried up for for Christian Watson, which is upsetting because the opportunities have been there every single week. He could have had three, four, five catches, a deep ball, and probably a couple touchdowns in just about every game. I know he he, he had probably at least three opportunities. I know on that Tunyon touchdown, I'm not upset about it. Take the touchdown, that's great. But Watson was also open for that touchdown. Um, so so he's, he's there, he's doing his thing. It's, it's almost like, and, and this is honestly best case scenario, because let, let me just say this, and I know this is sounding super homerish, but, but let's be honest. We have been the same type of team for a long time. Even prior to Matt LaFleur, we've been generally the same type of team. We are a team that is 99% Aaron Rodgers. And if Aaron Rodgers is on point, we win. If he's not, we lose. That's always been the thing. If you take Aaron Rodgers out of the equation, forget Devontae Adams. If you take Aaron Rodgers, we've lost Devontae. We've talked about that. 7-0 without Devontae prior to this season. Um, And and just in general, even games where Devontae hasn't been super impactful, we find other ways as long as Rodgers is doing all right. If he's on point, he finds his guys, everything's humming, everything's going great, the team is on fire. But if you get Rodgers flustered and the ball's not going where it's supposed to go, we can't do anything. This is, and, 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 and here's the problem. It got to the point when we got knocked out last year, and especially after 2020, you got to the point where you just thought, what is the point? What are we going to do? 2020 was like the best version of ourselves that we could be. 2021, we come back and wasn't exactly as good, but the defense was better. Still couldn't do anything. The formula was broken. So I don't love this team in terms of the you know it's it's the amount of flaws that it has i'm not massively in love with it but you know what it's a really good team for a lot of really different reasons so how about this why don't we try to be different and see how that goes why not because what what good is it if we end up being you know if 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 we had become quote unquote good but for the all the old reasons right the defense kind of stayed down and it's inconsistent, and they don't really show up, and they're not really energetic, but Rodgers is really on fire, right? His, his hand got better, and he's slinging it around, and, you know, Watson, he's kind of the guy, and that's the thing, right? Rodgers to Watson, and it's an unstoppable combination until you find a team like the 49ers or Tampa Bay or something like that that can kind of slow that down, and then you get the pass rush, and it gets flustered, and the whole team falls apart. I don't want that because we've tried that. And it's not just the last two years. It's been the last three years under Matt LaFleur and many, many years under Mike McCarthy. Same formula, same formula, same formula. Ironically, the one time we actually won the Super Bowl was similar to this one. It was hard fought. We understood how, how hard you have to play to win. You realize how hard you have to dig deep. And you also got guys that are playing on fire. You've got guys that are getting hot at the right time. You have a defense that is starting to ascend. It's amazing to me, as bad as this defense has been, to listen when I go through and listen to ESPN and all that stuff, when certain people start rattling off defensive statistics for the Packers, and it's like, that's not true. I've got a clip queued up for tomorrow. I may not get to it, I don't know, but a clip queued up for tomorrow. Do you know what PFF said about the Packers' DBs? 
number one cornerback group in the NFL. What? <laughs> Since when? Right now, Jair, Razul, and yes, Keyshawn freaking Nixon, the man among men, the god of the gods, the titan himself, Keyshawn Nixon, that trio is the number one cornerback group in the NFL. Where did this come from? Kenny Clark is playing out of his mind. Quay Walker suddenly is a stud. Darnell Savage? Dude, Darnell Savage got benched. He was so bad. He cleared his head. He's like, all right, I've been getting a little crazy. I'm trying to make too many plays. I need to slow down and just be, you know, just just stick with my assignments and stay within structure. He comes back. He has a really good game. The next game he comes back, he has a pick six in that game. Suddenly, two weeks back-to-back good games from Savage? What freaking universe am I living in? Granted, PFF didn't super like him in the game, despite the pick six, but whatever. Just like everybody else on this team. I'll, I'll forgive your 52 PFF grade if it comes with a pick six. Here's another fun little nugget. The last three weeks, weeks 15, 16, and 17, that's the Rams, the Seahawks, and the uh, game we just played against the Vikings. We're talking after the bye. So we had a bye. We come out. We have a new Joe Barry retooled defense. We're going to try things a little bit differently. We're going to be more aggressive. We're going to do this, that. I don't know exactly what all the changes have been, but we're going to make some changes. Do you know where the Packers rank via DVOA? They have, according to Football Outsiders, the third best defense in football. But that's not all. Not only are they the third best, do you want to talk about a team, everybody's been saying the the Packers are the team you don't, well, not everybody, a lot of teams are saying that's the team you don't want to face. And I was like, nah, I'm not so sure about that. That might be overselling it a bit. They still got a lot to work on, et cetera, et cetera. Since the bye week, defense, um, again, number three overall, fourth best pass defense in the NFL, 12th best rush defense, which doesn't sound great, but again, the whole narrative of the Packers have the worst run defense in football, nope, they're top half. Number one by a mile, special teams unit. They have a 13.2% DVOA. Detroit is number two at 8.5. Hilariously, Chicago is number three. Where's Minnesota? I thought they were really good. Well, they probably were until we had a kick return for a touchdown. In fact, they are dead last. <laughs> Oh, Packers just putting them in their place. Anyway, sorry. Got a little sidetracked. Um, Offense ninth, passing offense 14th, rushing offense 6th. Do you know where the Packers rank overall via DVOA? I don't think I said it yet. I'm trying to be dramatic, but if I said it, this is embarrassing. Number one. It's only a three-week sample size, but just to be clear, everybody out there saying... These games don't matter because the Rams are bums, because the the Dolphins are bums, because Kirk Cousins is a liability. That's the new thing now that lady over at ESPN, she is now my new public enemy number one. I just found her. She goes on talking about Cousins gave this game away now to the Packers. So now that's the new excuse. Cousins gave this game away to the Packers because he's a big idiot liability. 12 turnovers in four games, but it, we're just we're just having these handed to us. Football Outsiders, which weighs how good these teams are in situation and all these things, looking at the Rams and the kind of quality of team that they are, looking at Miami in Miami Miami and the quality of team that they are, looking at Minnesota and the quality of team that they are, and not only that, how much, again, remember, the Packers have exceeded expectations every single week. Not only were they expected to beat the Rams, but not by that much. They were expected to lose to Miami by four and a half points, and they beat them. They were expected to beat Minnesota by about three and a half, I think. By three? It dropped to three? They beat them by what again? A billion? You know, it's funny, too. They're talking about the the new Bengals team. You know who it is? It's the Chargers. So you know what's funny? Last year, you had basically two fraudulent teams in the Super Bowl, the Rams and the Bengals. And it sounds a little unfair, but when you compare the Bengals to the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, they didn't belong. When you compared the Rams to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to the San Francisco 49ers, and even the Green Bay Packers, the Rams didn't belong. They were not in that same echelon. But guess who went to the Super Bowl? The Bengals and the Rams. The two worst teams 
potentially, in the AFC and the NFC. The Chargers are the new Bengals. Potentially, the Packers are the new Rams. They're a team that, yes, they're in the playoffs, but they don't really belong with teams such as the 49ers, the Eagles. You could say the Cowboys, but we already beat them. You could say the Vikings, but they're massive frauds. Sorry I'm taking up so much time. I just, I haven't even answered your question yet. A little fired up. I apologize. But here's the thing. Number one and number two teams via DVOA. The hottest teams in football right now are the two teams that nobody's really looking into. AFC, Chiefs, Bills. NFC, watch out for Tom Brady. But otherwise, Eagles, if you get Jalen Hurts back, are are probably the favorites. Maybe the 49ers, though. Packers, eh, they had a good run, but they don't really belong in that category. Two hottest teams in football, Packers, Chargers. Now, very quickly, to answer your question about the Detroit Lions. I'll give you one hint in terms of my expectation of this game because I'm not going to give you the score because that's for tomorrow. (laughs) Give you the score because I I can see the future. But I want you to look at one thing for yourself. Maybe we'll just look it up together. The Green Bay Packers obviously are better at home. And one thing I didn't even factor into mine because this just got flexed out to Sunday night. The Packers play even better at night than they do during the day. I'm going to have to investigate that a little bit. But the biggest thing I want you to look at when you look at the uh, the Detroit Lions, everybody knows the Lions are a really good offense. Fifth highest scoring offense, fourth in yards, dominant offense. However, have you ever considered looking at their point totals at home compared to away? They scored 45 points against Seattle at home, 41 against the Bears at home, 40 against the Jaguars at home, 36 against Washington at home. 35 against the Eagles at home, 34 against Minnesota at home. One, two, three, four, five, six highest scoring games, all of them at home. They scored zero points against the Patriots on the road, six against Dallas on the road, 15 against the Packers. That was that was uh, at home. <laughs> I didn't worry about that. We'll get to that. The whole thing where They couldn't score a lot of points. Their offense actually wasn't that good, and it was on their own turf, and really it was our offense that was a failure, which is exactly what I said about the Vikings this last time, how their offense wasn't actually that impressive, and the only reason they won is because our offense hadn't hit its stride yet. Sound familiar? Anyways, moving on. They're one, two, three, four, five, six lowest, uh, six of their seven lowest scoring, not including the Packers game, all of them at home. Zero, six, 15, uh, zero, six, 20, 23, 24. Here's the bottom line. They're scoring, what, 433? Scoring, I think, 27 points a game. Do you know what they're scoring at home versus away? I can tell you because when I do my, uh, my score predictions, I look only at their away scoring and points allowed. Average points scored for the Lions. They scored 19.3 points on average, on the road. They don't even hit 20. In fact, and granted, they've played one less game than some teams, so it's, it's whatever. Actually, let's just let's add uh, their average of 19 points to get them up to an average of eight, even though some teams are whatever. What, it, it, they are the 29th-ranked team in terms of total points scored on the road. I think they jump up to maybe 21st or something, um, if you just go based on averages as opposed to total points. But the bottom line is they dropped from 27 average points as a team down to 19. And it's an even, it's, it's a bigger gap. If you look at home versus away, Detroit is number one. Again, they've played one more game than a lot of teams, but they're more, they're number one ahead of Dallas and Minnesota who have also played nine games like Detroit has. They average 33 points. So the difference between home and away, Detroit averages 33 points at home, 19 points on the road. And you got me doing so much homework right now, I'm never going to get this podcast on. Last, last note before we move on to caller number two, point differential. You can tell when I'm doing the podcast. Go follow my Twitter, and when I start cranking out tons of stats and just throwing crazy stuff on Twitter, it's because of the stuff that you guys are calling in about that I'm looking up and then freaking out and then throwing it on Twitter. And then you can hear me regurgitate it, but this is me as it was happening, as I was finding these things out and blasting it all over. I've got spreadsheets open right now because of you guys. Anyways, point differential. Really quickly, Detroit Lions have a positive 70 point differential at home, a negative 48 
excuse me, negative 48 on the road. Not editing it. We're floating through here. That is a differential between the differentials. But anyways, that is the largest differential differential. (laughs) This is how stupid we're getting into the numbers. We're looking at differential differential. It's the largest home and away point differential differential. The next largest, by the way, Miami Dolphins, which maybe factors into why places like DVOA and whatnot actually care about what happened in Miami because that was in Miami. And people that know what the heck they're talking about realize that Miami at home is a much different animal than Miami on the road, which is what everybody else is looking at. Well, they just lost to New England. Burp, 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 burp. Right. But Miami at home is a different animal. And we beat them on their own turf. You know who else is a pretty good home team as compared to how they are on the road? In other words, they're significantly better at home than on the road. The Rams, who we played on the road. Don't get me wrong. Most teams are better at home than on the road, but I'm talking about how much better. Surprisingly, Arizona, completely trash at home. (laughs) I don't know what's going on in Arizona, but that team sucks at home. There are like six or seven teams that are... I mean, I I guess if you just suck, I mean, it's just kind of random, but... Anyways, we got to get to the next call, but just something to ponder as we get to your original question, which was, do you think we're actually going to get in? All we got to do is win. Any given Sunday, I get it. I got a funny clip about that tomorrow. Any given Sunday, but there is zero question. The Packers are the better team. They're the better team offensively. Yes, offensively. Packers at home compared to Detroit on the road. The Packers have a better offense better defense, better special teams. Um, Add in the Sunday night variable to this. And by the way, if Seattle wins against the Rams, which I think they should, the Detroit Lions are going to find out within a couple hours of kickoff that their playoff hopes are crushed. And a lot of people are like, well, it it doesn't matter because they want to beat the Packers. First of all, I think you think too highly of the Packers. Detroit cares a lot more about the playoffs making a run in the Super Bowl than they do about the stupid Packers, right? And so no doubt they want to knock us out of the the playoffs because they don't like us and they want to win. But the overall deflating feeling that is going to take over Detroit as they try to take the field, realizing that their hopes were just dashed, we need to be massive, massive, massive Seahawks fans in this game because that is an absolute massive blow to realize, because you got to understand, they've been working for weeks, and they have fought, and they have clawed, and they believe, and this is real, and this whole thing has been about believing. Believe in the process. Believe in all this stuff, right? Believe in us. Believe in the coach. Believe in each other. Jamal and his impassioned crying speeches, the fans, Detroit, everybody's behind them. They want it so bad, and it's going to be stripped away from them hours before kickoff, and you really believe that they're passion to take us out of the playoffs is somehow going to usurp and overpass the crushing defeat and despair and sadness and sorrow and emptiness that's going to hit them like a ton of freaking bricks being carried by a Mack truck. No chance. Do you remember when the whole Gruden thing went on? I'll bring this up. It's, it's, it's a, an example that just fits a couple specific scenarios, so it's going to keep coming up, but John Gruden was fired because of some comments that he made. There were derogatory comments, and some of them were homophobic comments. The only reason I bring that up is because on the team, there was a homosexual player. That player, that next week, had the worst game of his entire career. It severely affected him, and he had to take some time off to take a mental break because he was so distraught that the coach that he believed in and all this stuff said those things. It affected him in a massive way. Some players, not affected at all. That's the point. I'm not telling you that every single player is going to give up. But if two, three, four, five, six have the mentality in the back of their head, screw this, season wasted, doesn't matter. And in a game of football, which we all know is what? A game of inches? If you're a half a step too slow? How does that go again, Al? You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. 
One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. It's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that inch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that inch. I don't care what anybody says. That is my favorite all-time maybe scene in a sports movie. I know I'm not a huge sports movie guy. I like Remember the Titans. Rudy's good, but it's getting a little old. This movie, even I couldn't even tell you if this is a good or bad movie. I don't know. I've seen it a handful of times. Don't remember if I even like it. Probably cheesy and stupid. But I love this scene. I love this speech. And I believe that it's absolutely true. Every single word of it is true. And so let me ask you, by the way, I'm sorry I had to bleep that out because it really got into the, really ruined the flow. But that is just a beautiful speech. But, but honestly, it, it, it's, I, it's 100% what I'm talking about with if the Lions are eliminated. Football legitimately comes down to exactly that. Are you telling me that because the, the, the Lions, who just had their hearts ripped out of their chest and everything they have fought for this entire season ripped away from them hours before, they're willing to fight and die for every inch on that football field? They're not going to miss a half a step, half an inch? Oh, it matters. Doesn't guarantee anything, but that matters. Even if it's five guys... You pick five players on this team who lose 25% of their ability. There's only 22 guys playing on a team. That's a quarter of your team. I mean, I know you rotate some guys in and out. Call it a fifth. One-fifth of a football team playing at 50% because they're having a hard time managing their... Justin Jefferson didn't catch passes and just blasted a referee in the back of the neck with his helmet. We're going to pretend that these guys are emotionally mature enough to say, you know what, I'm going to rise to the occasion. We're going to fight and battle to take out the... These aren't fans, dude. Make it sound like they're fans of the team. Like, oh, I would would hate them so much I'd want them out. Yeah, you're a fan. Of course you hate the Vikings. That has nothing to do with the Packers. And even the fans are going to be crushed. Can you imagine how we're feeling right now? It's nothing compared to what the Lions are feeling because we've been bad for like, I don't know, 18 seconds and already battled back, and are about to get into the playoffs. The Lions have been scratching and clawing for like 18 years to get into the playoffs. I don't know what the number is, but that feels right. It was 2011, apparently, so what? 11, 12, 12 years? Close enough. And they're inches away from getting there. They have, we're trying to get back to the Super Bowl, and it feels like it's been forever. That's how long it's been since they've been in the playoffs, and they're so close. They're right there, and they have the opportunity to get in by knocking the Packers out. It's a win-win. It's, it's, a, it's a full, beautiful moment. Through Lambo, taking that title away from the Kings, and all it takes is a Seahawks win to erase all of that. You can't do anything. The best you can do is take the Packers out, but that doesn't matter. Even as a fan, you're going to be so deflated watching that game. That Seahawks game may as well be a Packers game or a Lions game in this case. It's like watching a Packers playoff game because if they win, we're eliminated. Flat out. Anyways, this is not how the show is supposed to go, but I'm a little riled up. Why don't we take a break (laughs) after one call? It's Chris's fault, man. He got me all crazy. Um, We'll take a break. We'll come back, and I will try to get through at least two calls. On the other side of the break, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, please consider checking out Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find them at fertilegroundranch.org. There is a link pinned to the top of my Twitter if you'd like to go straight to their donation page. Uh, We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, call number five again. Hey. I just love the confidence, too. Uh, one thing that I just, I couldn't believe, honestly. The defense playing with such swagger right now. Yes. Crazy, crazy amounts of confidence on that defense. I don't know what happened or what the, what was said. but I don't know. They just look like a different defense right now. If they get hot, I mean... I mean, you never know, you know. No, I get it. But, uh, yeah, I just love the confidence they're playing with. Um, I just think this is the team that we wanted to see all year. It would have been one thing to come out and barely win this game. We absolutely dominated every aspect of the game. You can't even call it luck. You can't blame the refs. You can't say somebody was missing because they were down to their third-string center. Oh, yeah, you want to blame that? Uh, We don't have Rashawn Gary. We don't have Eric Stokes. And we still put a stomping on you. So, I mean, this is just a complete game, man. Anyway, sorry. Um, last call. I can't wait to hear the pun. Yeah, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm with you with the you never know thing. Because, it, it, you know, as I sit here having watched the Packers, and, and again, as fans were generally overly critical, I think especially as Packer fans, Bears fans are the opposite. They see the Bears and they think everything's fantastic. They're weird. We tend to be overly critical. Right. We're, we're, we're looking at Aaron Rodgers, who's maybe like the 11th, 12th best quarterback in football. And we're like, dude, this guy is just washed, man. I don't know about this guy anymore. You know, we look at Aaron Jones. It's like, hey, he's kind of taking a step back. And A.J. Dillon, it's, you know, he's, he's on a roll now. But earlier in the season, it's like, well, I guess he just doesn't have it anymore. You know, I don't know. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're hypercritical of all these things. And even after this last game, and I'm talking about myself here. I know it's not everybody. It's, it's me and, and my ilk. But it's like, yeah, I mean, special teams looks great. Defense looked dominant. The run game's there. The pass game, though, I just don't think it's going to be enough to get us there. So I'm sitting here thinking, I just don't think this team is necessarily where it needs to be. However, they're headed in the right direction. They're doing the right things. And there's, there's who's to say that they can't improve as a passing offense and just be the total package that goes on a run in the playoffs? Who's to say they can't do it? But that's... That's me coming from the perspective of feeling like we're not quite there yet. We're like a second-tier team. We're not like one of the elite playoff teams. And I just told you, and again, I know it's a small sample size, but I just told you after the bye, which is exactly when that swagger started, by the way. And, and every all the commentators, and you'll hear a lot of it tomorrow when I go through some of this stuff, 
All the commentators, what are they saying? This has nothing to do with Rodgers. It has nothing to do with the offense. This is entirely being led by the defense, and that's not entirely false, by the way. Despite the 41 points, 27 of it scored on offense. Um, Despite that, this is a defensive resurgence, and when did the resurgence happen? After the bye, which is crazy because we usually suck after the bye, but after the bye, something happened, and it's a... You know, I, 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 I don't... I, I, I've been having such a hard time with understanding this motivation thing. And now I understand it much less because I don't know how you can play poorly. And then at some point just kind of give up and be like, you know what? We suck. I give up. I'm not doing this anymore. And then you go into the bye. We can come out and you're like, you know what? Let's do this. Somebody must've done something. I don't know if the DBs got together and they had a little thing. Maybe Joe Barry actually convinced these guys, and and it's wrong of me to assume that they don't like Joe Barry, but I'm just looking at a team that doesn't want to seem to play for him, and they're throwing him under the bus about, you know, calling him out on his game plan and stuff. It doesn't seem like it, but I don't know. Somebody gave somebody a pep talk, and maybe it was Joe Barry just saying, hey, this is how we're going to run things, and they, they bought in. But it had to be more than that. Everybody that's talked about culture talks about how it's a locker room thing. It's not a coach thing. Pardon me. Spam callers. Anyways, I'm back. Strangely, um, I'm back a day later. Um, just just for reference, the DeMar Hamlin thing took place. And as I said, I'm going to kind of take a little break or whatever. Um, not indefinitely. I just got to kind of... I guess it's just hard to see something like that and then dive into you're trash, you suck, this team is garbage, these fans are stupid, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? You just kind of want to not do that. Something about seeing that that turns you into a good human being for a second. <laughs> but um, anyways, I don't want to completely ruin the flow of the show, so we're going to get back into it. Um, but anyways, getting back to the... Uh, the thought there with motivation. I've been told by everybody that it's purely a locker room thing. So, you know, Joe Barry may have made some adjustments, um, some large adjustments, some small adjustments, but, but you're right about the motivation. The motivation doesn't come from a scheme adjustment. That comes from within. And when you see it permeate throughout an entire team, at some point in that locker room, or outside of the locker room, but within the guys of the locker room. They decided to get together, they had a heart-to-heart, and they made some changes. To be very, very clear, it wasn't just Vikings fans saying, Jair is not going to shut down Justin Jefferson. I said that, and I'm guessing if you were to ask Packer fans, 95% would have said the same thing. Now, that isn't to say that if you run this game back 10 times, that he's going to shut him down every time. But the fact that he could do it one in 10 times, much less however many times this would have happened. And I know it's not just Jair. It's Jair plus the defense with Joe Barry, the safeties, the everybody else who went up against him and helped in zone coverage and all the aggression and speed and and, and the pass rushers and, and the tip passes and all that stuff. But this is not a, I guess I was wrong about Jair moment because I was not. And this is certainly not a, I guess I was wrong about Justin Jefferson moment because it is not. That is something, that performance against the Vikings, which I think is being overlooked, is something that I don't think that they were capable of doing prior to the bye week. In fact, I'm almost positive they were not capable of doing it. They were capable of doing it in small spurts, taking Justin Jefferson away on this play, on that play, getting a pass rush here or there, four quarters of erasing the most electric player in the entire NFL, no chance. It's, it's a thing of myth and legend that was told throughout the preseason about the Green Bay Packers defense that is to come. It's like all those Christmas movies about Santa Claus, you know? When you were a kid, you believed it, and then you grew up, and you found out there wasn't, but then you meet him. He's there in your living room, and you're like, what? I thought you were fake. And it's like, I'm not fake, dude. I'm super real. I'm in your living room. And you're like, you're not real Santa. And he's like, check this out. And he flies around or something. I don't know. The movies exist. Leave me alone. You got the Santa Claus, you know, Eminem commercial. He does exist. They do exist. (laughs) Right? That's the Packers defense right now. And I kind of think it's being overlooked. Like, oh man, this actually is a good defense. Like, well, let's, let's not understate how bad they were. 
We didn't get it wrong. We got it absolutely right. So what are we watching right now? Because you got to understand, this isn't just they were kind of struggling and now they're kind of good. This is more like, oh, I don't know, one of the worst defenses in football becomes one of the best. I had somebody ask me on Twitter when I posted the stats I had just told you. I said, this is the number one team in football. I think it's, if I remember, because I don't feel like looking it up, number nine offense, number three defense, number one special teams. And the very good question was, is this in line with what they were earlier? In other words, they've always been a good team. They just were were a very unlucky team, the anti-Vikings prior to their bye. Or is this a very different team? Well, they were the ninth ranked offense, so that really hasn't changed. Now, I'm sure if you change the weeks, because again, I'm just taking the last three weeks compared to going all the way back. Well, if you look pre-buy, you've got games like Dallas. You've got a lot of really good games mixed in, along with a lot of really bad games. So I don't want to say that the offense has never evolved or never gotten better, because we've seen that. And by the way, it has gotten better. The DVOA actually does go up. They just stay ninth, you know, so it's... Anyways, but the defense... Actually, you know what? I don't, I don't know what the defense was. Special teams, I do remember. It was 30th to start the season, back when everybody said that this new special teams coordinator is not what we thought it was going to be, and it's a whole thing, and he should be fired, and we're just cursed. And yes, some of that was me saying it. Not the fired thing necessarily, but the cursed thing, absolutely. And then the fired thing was a, yeah, probably eventually. People don't realize how drastic this is. I think I, I want to say defense was like 26th, from 26th to third. Small sample size, very small sample size. But the Packers right now, and I don't even agree with this in my gut, which I trust less than I trust the statistics, by the way. But in my gut, this is not a team that is up there with the 49ers. They're not up there with the Chargers, the, the Chiefs, the Bills. They're not there yet, if, if at all, if ever. Football Outsiders is looking me dead in the face and saying, yep, you're there. You're up there. You're in the conversation. You have a top 10 offense, a top three defense, and a number one special teams unit. In what universe is that a a non-legitimate playoff team? But again, getting back to the thing, where did that come from? Scheme doesn't answer the whole thing. I want to know where this fire came from, especially from the DBs. Because I don't know that Kingsley looks significantly better than he did before. I love Kingsley. I think he's doing a good job. The run defense is lacking, but at least lately. But but I like him. I think he's doing a good job. Preston is not improving. If anything, he's had a rough couple weeks. I don't know that any of the defensive linemen outside of Kenny are really significantly improving. Maybe Quay Savage again is is starting to become something other than the worst safety in football. Let's just leave it at that. We're not quite to the part where... I get to say, I told you so, um, but I'm putting a pin in that. Just know that it's coming if he continues and helps contribute to somewhat of a Super Bowl run. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just saying, beware of that. But it seems like the stars who we all expected to be the stars were not the stars, aside from Rashawn, who of course went out for the season. And Stokes doesn't have the ability to be that guy along with everybody because he's out. But Jair was not the Jair we hoped for. Uh, Amos was not the Amos we hoped for. Even Savage, we had hoped, would be better than he was, and he's becoming. Um, Kenny started off great and then fell into, honestly, one of the worst defensive tackles. And He went from the best of his entire career, number one in the NFL, to literally one of the worst in football. And I, I don't know how to explain that, other than the locker room had given up. And it's weird because I don't, I don't know the dynamics. A lot of stuff is going on in that locker room, and I can't really explain or understand what it is. But the Zadarius Smith thing kind of sheds some light on it. I mean, look how deep that runs. I mean, the Packers team, they don't even want to talk about him. The coaches, the coaches don't want to talk about him when asked. You got Zadarius kind of punking Aaron Jones of all people, nicest human being on planet Earth, while he's on the ground being a D-bag to him. And then when the Packers lose, he runs off the field. Like there, There's some deep, deep stuff going on there. I think there's a lot of deep hurt that's going on there with people that consider themselves family. There's some deep dynamics, and that kind of stuff goes on all the time. So I don't know what happened to this defense or why it wasn't what it was supposed to be and what was going on, but I also don't understand how they got to where they are now. And we probably never will, but it's, it's fascinating to me. It's annoying to me because I wish they could have just had this level of energy to begin with, but it's also fascinating. 
Chris from Alabama. I said I wasn't going to call back again, <laughs> but I had to, man. I feel so I good. It. I feel so good right now, man. Man, we dominated that game. Oh, my God. We dominated that game, bro. The weekend into this dance, which we should, we're going to make a run. I just had to come back. I've been drinking. <laughs> no. And I'm so happy. I am just feeling great. Tony the Tiger, great. <laughs> right now, and I had to call back. I ain't going to call back no more. We won the game. We dominated, man. If we do this, if we play like this, all bets are off. I can guarantee it. I can guarantee it. Go hack. Oh, oh my God. I feel so good. And, and that's the crazy thing that I've been saying. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't feel like it. You look at this offense and you say, I've seen this offense that's been much better go up against I don't know about better defenses than what the 49ers are now, but let's just say it's the same defense. I've seen it. And I've seen us score, like, no points. And it doesn't matter how good our defense is or special teams or anything. It's just it, uh, it's a crap team that doesn't win. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. We've seen it. You can't win if you can't score points, and this offense can't score points against good defenses. I don't know why. But at the same time, again, this is not the same team it's not built the same way it's not built on Rodgers and Devontae that's just not what it is you know and and on top of that you look at last year what happened with the offensive line you know special teams did play a major factor in our inability to do anything the the you know David Bakhtiari being out and and a lot of different offensive linemen who not only were out but shuffled here and there and you know deciding to move Billy Turner here or do this or do that or or you know, whatever. We've got a better offensive line right now that can protect Aaron Rodgers and keep him comfortable in the pocket. We've got a better offensive line that can help us run the ball because, you know, it's 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 maybe not peak running the ball right now like it was at, at one point in time, but it's still a very good running team, the Packers are. So um, it's a different construction. It It still feels flimsy. And, and I think part of that is trauma from what we saw earlier in the season. But um, I think there is an element of we, we've got to – well, we don't, we don't have to trust. I, I think we should trust based on what the information is telling us. Um, again, I'll let you know my score prediction tomorrow, but it's, it's comfortable. It's a comfortable win. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I think this is sort of sort of like a uh, fractured relationship, let's just say, where one person hurts the other person and, you know, time heals all wounds. And we got back together. It was volatile for a minute there. We wanted to end it, right? We wanted to cut off ties with the team. We were done with them. We had thrown them out of the house. And they started coming back and they started asking for forgiveness and, um, we let them back into the house. They've made some mistakes, clearly, but they're starting to show, again, that uh, we can trust them. Little bits here and there, doing certain things. And um, I think it's fair to still have some reservations. But everything I've said for the last 30 seconds or however long this weird little thing has gone on, it's all emotion. So deal with your emotions however it is you need to. And if that means you know, saying this team is not good enough, I refuse to believe it be lucky to beat the Lions, and if we do, we're getting eliminated, so be it. But what I'm saying is when you turn off the emotions and look at the data, um, and I know there's more data than just DVOA, I get that. I just think it's the best way to answer this particular question that I'm asking. Quality of the football team in a given period of time, given situations or whatever. It's actually very similar to what I said when I went on uh, the One Bar and Lepiga show, Minnesota Vikings podcast. They asked me who I thought was going to win, and I said, my heart says we're going to lose. My head says we're going to win. And that was the honest truth. My heart told me that the Packers are not, despite the data that says the Vikings are frauds, despite the data that says the Packers are improving, despite the data on the Vikings on the road and the Packers at home and all that stuff, despite everything, despite the fact that at the end it was essentially a somewhat comfortable win of four points. 
I had seen what the Vikings had done to people. I had seen the offense. I had seen Cousins and Jefferson, and I had seen what this team had done to come back from 33. And it it it's it is the mark of a team that has some serious firepower. And I've seen the Packers as they kind of lumber around the field and slowly do this and you know make just enough really good. I mean, really good plays with the picks and everything and the turnovers, which of course are fleeting. But even the run defense is improving, but still, like, you get gashed here and there. And it just, my heart said I didn't really necessarily trust it. But my head, which followed the data, said, you got this. And my head is telling me that we have a better chance against Detroit, even though it doesn't feel that way. And a lot of Packer fans are the same way. They, as soon as we beat the Vikings, first thing that a lot of people told me is, I'm more worried about the Lions. I said that on this podcast. I'm more worried about the Lions. Now, I changed my tune about, you know, starting about a week ago when I'd heard some data about how bad the Lions are on the road um, and also how much they struggle against the run, which is something the Packers desperately need. Again, the teams that scare me the most are the teams we're not going to be able to run against because that has been an issue with this team for a long time. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, San Francisco 49ers, those teams, they win in the trenches. Teams that win in the trenches, we do not beat. Tennessee Titans, that was the whole issue. And that's why I said I don't, I I didn't like it. I didn't think we were going to win the game. It was a bad matchup. Entire, forget everything else. Their corners, their safeties, their linebackers, their wide receivers, their quarterback, none of that mattered. They dominate the trenches. I didn't like it. And we lost. And it's the one glaring weak spot for the entire team when you look back. I mean, the Eagles we also lost to, but it's the Eagles. That's a forgivable situation. But Tennessee is, is weird, unless you understand the Packers. So again, it's it's a head and heart thing for me. My heart says the team is not very good. It's one of the worst teams we've seen in the LaFleur era, even now in this resurgent uh, thing. Because despite the success of the defense and everything else, I don't trust the offense enough to do anything. And I also don't trust the defense to necessarily stay quite this high up. I expect some level of regression even in the next couple of games. Or, you know, assuming there are a couple of games, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, sorry. I know I said last call, but then I just remembered. Please do another um, review of that one. Uh, I was about to say um, D bag uh, podcast that was basically saying, "Oh, you got Christian Wilson. Oh well. Oh well. Oh, uh, oh Rogers is going to hand it off to Aaron Jones. Oh wow. Yeah, sure. Can you do a review of that guy's podcast after this game? I'm just curious to see what his tone sounds like this time around. <laughs> All right, that's it. Well, I hate to uh, ruin your how satisfying it would be, but his tone actually hasn't changed. He pumps out a ton of content. Um, I went through and just I have so many subscriptions. It is it is a full time job just going through YouTube and finding all the uh, you know you get the Vikings podcast, you got the Bears podcast because they're funny, the Lions when it's necessary. Obviously, I'm not going through those right now because they won. Um, although. Later on, when I maybe need some information, it might be a good idea when they start turning to the Packers. Um, but then you've also got the national media when you're talking about the Packers and everything. So, but but I see him pop up a lot, and his tone hasn't changed. It's very similar to "Oh wow, oh wow, I know, yeah, yeah." I, the the calls us the greasy, grimy Green Bay Packers, and the national media, uh, the the media haircuts or whatever. He's got his own little terminology that he uses, which is probably a pretty smart idea. But his tone really hasn't changed. It's the media is going to be wrong about the Vikings because of everything that happened and big deal. I think one of the comments he had made was something about, uh, I can't hear you too busy 12 and fouring over here. You know, just stuff like that. Just, you know. So it wasn't, I, I had hoped to find something because it's much more satisfying. You know, when, when I obviously am going to go through the uh, laughing at the enemy, which again is going to be postponed. It was supposed to be uh well, supposed to be today, which I didn't do one, and it's supposed to be tomorrow, but I think I'm going to kind of push that off one more day and just focus on uh, some data statistics and things before we start making fun of people. I mean, I'm not going to stop, but I, I just, it's not the easiest thing to do at the moment. I just don't feel it in my soul. You know, you got to feel that down deep, and I just don't have it right now. By the way, if they're, just just to be clear, um, I don't have any new information about DeMar Hamlin. And the only reason I say that is if there was any updates on him, I don't have that at this moment in time, whether that be him being okay or not being okay. Um, Just to be clear, because it just dawned on me some things 
may transpire, and um, it might seem odd that I'm not mentioning, again, either good or bad, just just so we're all on the same page. I don't know anything about his condition. Um, I know he was put in critical condition, which is obviously horrible, um, but that's the last I heard. Uh, I know there was some talk about his vitals had returned, which I have to assume is good news, right? In other words, his heart is beating on his on its own and everything. He has a pulse and, and everything's good. I, I believe they still had to put a breathing tube in him, which would mean that he's not breathing on his own, but he is his heart is working and whatnot. That's that's my best understanding of what that means. I don't know what that means, but that's that's all I know at this uh point in time. But yeah, um he makes it hard to kind of it's not hard to to get after him prior to the game because again his his reasoning was so unbelievably flawed but after the game it's kind of hard to be like ha ha I told you cuz he just he brushes it off like it didn't even happen so not as satisfying I could maybe try to dig something up with his uh videos but again it's mostly just wow big deal game doesn't matter we're still better than you you guys are frauds you got some lucky picks whatever congratulations you know, stuff that he knows entirely is not true. And and I've got plenty of clips of Vikings fans telling the truth. I got them locked and loaded and ready to go. But he, unfortunately, is not going to give us the satisfaction. All right, I know we didn't get through quite enough calls here, but we're going to do one more, and then we're going to get out of here. What's going on? It's Omar the Firefighter, man. What's uh, up? The phone's blowing up t- today, I'm sure, after the <laughs> game. Uh that's a good good sign. I'm I'm gonna say this. I don't know if anybody else is gonna say it. I am shocked on like that was the first like basically complete game. Yeah. For the most part. I mean special teams was on point, defense was on point. I mean, Alexander showed like why he why we paid him, so everybody who talks smack about Alexander, he shut Justin Jefferson down. I mean, terrible. he had one catch. Yeah, and did his uh, trademark dance on him when he stopped, you know, knocked the pass down. Like, by the way, one of the most and, and Vikings fans are being absolutely absurd right now. I mean, it it is. I've said Bears fans are worse than Vikings fans, but I'm, I'm realizing there's like a different DNA between the two fan bases. Bears fans, I don't know. There's there's sort of this like intense religious belief in their team. But also, whenever somebody officially crosses into the line of when, when the, the fans accept that, okay, this is not a thing, they're vicious. They're vicious. Vikings fans are a little bit more like Packer fans where they tend to be more realistic. Right? We've got our good players and we defend them to the death. Probably too much. We've got our bad players that we acknowledge are bad players and we, you know, we hope to move on from them soon. And we've even got, you know, like things with Kirk Cousins. They, it's funny because I'm realizing, and again, we'll cover this um, again, not tomorrow, but whenever we go through the laughing at the enemy stuff, the Kirk Cousins thing, and I, I guess I never really picked up on it. I mean, I did. I knew it was a thing, but it just, because I've seen the videos, it's very similar to where we're at with Aaron Rodgers. You've got the Kirk Cousins defenders who will defend him to the death, and you got people who hate him no matter what. And there's actually a big, one of the podcasts, probably 50, 60% of the show is them arguing about Kirk Cousins. And no matter what happens, it always keeps coming back to them. They try to get away from it. They move on. They talk about something else. And then Kirk Cousins comes up. <laughs> and then they fight about Kirk Cousins for the next 15 minutes. But anyways, the, the interesting thing is, is how they handle information, right? Packers, Vikings, Bears fans, they're, they're just so different in the way that they handle things. And I can't really necessarily, I mean, so for example, if you bring information to Bears fans, they just deny it. Here's, what, here's every statistical category that exists for, for a quarterback. Justin Fields ranks poorly in every single one of them. Well, use your eyes, watch the film. He's, you know, look at the touchdowns. You know, it's just, it's just denial. Apparently, Vikings fans are all conspiracy theorists. I mean, they're definitely more whiny than I realized. I didn't realize it was quite like this. Vikings fans are furious that Jair wasn't penalized for doing the gritty. I mean, they're, they're all on different uh, wavelengths when it comes to the more extreme conspiracies, like uh, the field was watered down prior to the game to make it more slippery so that the Packers could be com- uh, prepared um, while the Vikings weren't. And interestingly enough, apparently... In contrast to that ridiculous conspiracy theory, 
the guy that we were just talking about who has all these Vikings videos that I said I'm probably not going to highlight because he's just kind of moving on with his life. I believe he made some kind of a comment that the uh, the equipment director or whatever for the Vikings told them to wear their, I think they're like the six-inch spikes. His own personal conspiracy theory is that the guys didn't want to do it because then they couldn't wear their cool custom shoes. They'd have to get entirely new shoes because they're molded in. They're not the screw-in type. So you'd have to wear these boring-looking molded shoes. I don't know. But the point is, my understanding, they were told to wear those shoes and the players chose not to. Could be wrong. Don't go running on Twitter saying, guess what I just found out? Ha ha, in your face. Go look it up and verify that first before you do that. But he had made some kind of a a comment to that that I didn't put much stock in until you mentioned uh, all this right now, But or as I'm thinking through it. But the gritty thing is the dumbest thing in the history of the world. And 3013 put out a video with, I forget the guy's name, but a uh, uh, referee rules expert guy saying that that absolutely was not a penalty. And of course it wasn't. In what universe is that a penalty? Well, he's doing his dance. Are you freaking kidding me? My son does the gritty. I wish he wouldn't, but he does. He's, he's at that age where he loves doing all the cool stuff. Apparently, the gritty is, is the cool stuff. It's not his dance. And did he do it strictly because it's his dance? Of course he did. But he did a dance, a celebration... And he did it after the play, not during the play, as some people had alluded to. Well, you can celebrate after a touchdown because it's after a touchdown. This is during a play. Nope, it's after a play. Play was done. Successful for the Packers. Concluded. Done. Nothing else to talk about here. He didn't stand over him. He didn't point and mock. He didn't laugh. He didn't hover. He didn't, he didn't address him at all. He did the gritty, and he did it away from Justin Jefferson. In other words, he did a celebration away from Jefferson. And the funny thing is, Jefferson was whining about it. I didn't even realize this. He was begging for a penalty, a taunting penalty. He went to the referee and said, ref, he's making fun of me. Penalize him. And all the fans run to his aid. And it seems to be pretty universal from what I've seen, that that was messed up. It's amazing how we complain about the NFL being soft, and then yet here are the fans upset that somebody would dare be so insensitive. Oh my goodness. So no, under no circumstance in the in the history of the universe should that ever be considered a penalty to celebrate after a good play. Justin Jefferson doesn't own the gritty, and if it's insensitive to celebrate your success and somebody else's failure, then Justin Jefferson should be f- uh, penalized and fined every time he does the gritty. Because when he catches those passes, somebody's trying to defend him and failed. But he's allowed to do it because what? He trademarked it, copyrighted it. What would a dance be? Guess kind of trademark? I don't know. But no, Vikings fans, I'm very sorry to tell you that you are allowed to celebrate after a good play. That's allowed. It's just the way it goes. I know you guys want more rules, apparently, but we're not going to do that. Like, literally, he got to get his rating back up because after week one, they lower his rating on Madden down like it was his fault. But he, he definitely proved uh to be the man. So that's I'm happy for him on that. Um team looked excellent. The, the funny part is though, like the first fourteen points, they had nothing to do with the offense. And it's just it's kinda crazy. Um and Aaron Rodgers, I mean he didn't turn the ball over, so that was excellent. But it's like he didn't even have like a, a great game. He it wasn't bad. He just it was like straight game manager Rodgers, you know? But that's like imagine if we got like you know MVP Rogers. This feel like it'd be unstoppable because he missed uh, Watson a couple times deep. But I like that they're trying to force feed him and, and and make you respect him and get out there. So that's awesome. Uh, I forgot the guy's name, but it's going to the Lions game. I'm happy him and his son get to basically be like a playoff game for cheap. <laughs> uh, and get to experience that. I mean, yeah. we should win that game and basically in the playoffs. Like, I feel like we're in the playoffs now, which also kind of scares me because we were overconfident, like, the first what time we played them because they were like, oh, the Lions suck and this team sucks and the commanders suck and the Jets suck and we and we lost. Like, so I don't know if us being overconfident is going to blow up in our face or not, but at the end of the day, uh, we we should be in this daggone playoff. And depending on who we play, if it ain't the 49ers, I think we, we should have a good, good shot. Um, 
any team will basically don't have a like excel at offense. So we'll see what happens. Um also, see if I can slide this in for my time went out. Um I I did love your your movie picks. It is very funny that in the eighties you had like multiple movies you could name and then we got two thousand ten comedies. We couldn't think of nothing. But anyway, <laughs> go pack, go. Take it easy. Bye. You know, I, I think the confidence thing, at least for now, is probably going to work to our advantage. I think you're right. I, that has been a concern of mine. Not that I know, but just as sort of a general theory. Um, you know, the Packers didn't take things super seriously. You know, they'd come out of bye weeks and they're just kind of lackluster. And, you know, they go into the playoffs. And, you know, I mean, Devontae's made comments about guys, you know, they're celebrating. We haven't won anything yet. You know, they're just having a good time. And it's like, you know, I actually, I actually want to do this thing. You know, I want to be good at stuff. And um, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need to be the underdogs. And even now, you know, obviously there's a, a, a vein of confidence. It's going to be hard, I would think. Maybe I'm wrong. Again, I've just admitted I have no idea how this whole emotional roller coaster works in a locker room, apparently. Um, but it would be hard to imagine they would get overconfident considering how bad things were. Um, if anything, they should have learned how seriously you need to take Every single thing. But yeah, man, I had fun with the uh, the movies. And uh, probably it'd be a good week for some lighthearted content. I always think every time somebody calls and talks about movies and pizza and stuff, everyone's like, oh, I'm turning this garbage off. But it might be a good week for that. You know what I mean? I mean, we've still got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven more calls here. And I think all of them were prior to what happened yesterday. So I can't necessarily expect anything uh less than edgy (laughs) but uh i don't know we'll figure it out anyways i will uh plan on talking to you tomorrow you guys have a good one bye-bye